Welcome to the Unleashed Podcast. If you're looking for a no BS approach to building a successful business, then this show's for you. I'm your host, Christina Sholin, sharing an unleashed, real straight talk approach to life and business. So buckle up, put on your big girl panties, and let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Unleashed Podcast. I am your host, Christina Sholand, and I can't express to you how excited I am to bring to you today my friend, Dean Eric Smith, and you must leave the Eric in there because that's what sets them apart. He has a tremendously amazing message I'm so grateful to have this man in my inner circle because the way that I met Dean is through a mastermind group and his message that he has struck me in a way that I was like, oh my gosh, this message needs to get to so many people. It's so important to have this as part of our lives. It is another one of those F words called forgiveness. And without further ado, I am going to introduce to you my friend, Dean Eric Smith. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hi, Christina. Thanks for having me. You're awesome. I'm so excited to have you share with my peeps today. Okay. So they just heard the F word, Christina, and they might be thinking, come on, seriously. And I just want each of you who are listening, if you thought, really, I just want you to know, I'm totally with you. I totally get it. In fact, if you had any um, resistance or even a justification, whether somebody in your life you just thought of that there's no way in hell you're ever going to forgive them, I want you to know that I think that you're listening to this right now. I feel like it's, it's a divine appointment. You're supposed to be listening to this, and it's not by accident that I'm on and you happen to be on as well. So I want you to think back as you're listening right now, and I want you to think of a day in your life if there is a day in your life that as far back as you look, you can still remember every little detail, usually high emotion days, if you think about it. For me, that day was February 11th, sixth grade year, sitting in the principal's office, Southwood Elementary School, sitting there and a man walks in, never seen him before. He leans forward and says, hello, Dean. My name is Pastor Rex Bell. I don't know quite how to tell you this, but I'm going to need you to go with me to the hospital, something's happened to your mom. I remember how my heart just sank. See, up until this point in my life, my mom had already been married four times. And there was actually boyfriends in between. So for me, for the first 12 years of my life, things were always changing, getting used to new father figures, getting used to new schools. We moved over 20 times up to this point in my life. Change, change, change. The one thing that never did change, the only thing that never changed, the thing I put all my hope into all my faith, all my love into was my mama. I love my mama. And so Pastor Rex brings my sisters and me to the Harborview Medical Center, downtown Seattle. Going back to those every little details, remember walking into the emergency room. My mom had bandages around her head. She was connected to the... And the... What had happened was earlier that morning when... My mom and my fourth stepdad, whose name was Bob. Bob had been my father for about two years. When my sisters and I were at school, Bob and my mom got into this horrible argument. 
And in a fit of rage, Bob walks down the hall. He goes into my room. He opens my closet and he grabs the Christmas present I'd just gotten a few months earlier, which was a baseball bat. So on February 11th, my sixth grade year, while my classmates were just getting out of fifth period, I watched my mom take her last breath of life. You know, days that you can remember every detail. I remember it was about a half hour after my mom was pronounced dead. I'm in the Harborview Medical Center cafeteria. I'm eating a triangular vending machine, egg salad sandwich. Pastor Rex is sitting across from me. He doesn't know what to say. His hands, he's just like completely stymied. And I'm eating this sandwich. Tears are running down my cheeks. And I have that. And if you've ever been like super aware of that small voice inside of your head, you know, the, the inner monologue or the inner dialogue sometimes. And it's the first time I remember it being extraordinarily loud. I'm going to grow up big. I'm going to grow up strong. And I know that Bob's going to go to prison for this, but I know someday he'll get out. And when he does, I'm either going to be there waiting for him, either to kill him or at least to beat him within an inch of his life. I'm going to hang on to this anger. I'm going to hang on to this rage. And I'm going to use it as motivation to make my mama proud and to be successful. If you're listening to this right now, I would now invite you to take a deep breath. I'm going to go on with my story, but before I do, I'm going to ask you, my fellow listeners, I want you to think of your own life for a second and be able to answer this question. Who in your life right now haven't you forgiven? Go ahead. Think about it. So over the next few minutes, I'd love to tell you a journey I've been on with a man in my life whose name is Bob. Bob was my fourth stepdad who brutally murdered my mother. Now, interestingly, Bob's not his real name. I wanted to change his name, and I was trying to think of, okay, what can I what can I call him? So I have a lot of bitterness towards him. The bitterness is a burden, burden of bitterness, B-O-B. I'm a genius, Bob. But I want to invite you, as I'm telling my story about my quote-unquote Bob, I want you to be thinking about the faces of the people that just came to your mind when I asked you who you haven't forgiven. For this our little time together, let's give them a name. Let's call them your Bobs, the people that you have a burden of bitterness towards. And if my sweet wife was here, she would, she would be trying to get my attention for me to remember to say this. Many times our Bobs are the people we can see out there, but also many times we can be our own Bobs and be challenged with forgiving ourselves. So on the most challenging day of my life also came the greatest miracle of my life. And for me, honestly, truly one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me is that the man who picked me up from school asked me to be his son. And so crazy enough, I went from being this wild and crazy kid to all of a sudden this wild and crazy pastor's kid, just like that. And my fifth and final dad, I always say my Sometimes it takes five, but my fifth and final dad became my hero. Just the best possible dad. I mean, every day he would find me wherever I was and he would talk to me and ask me questions and listen to me and nurture me. And he told me about God and he became my hero. And I remember seeing him speak from the stage and how he motivated and inspired people and just brought the best out. And everyone around him remember is about 15 years old and I'm, I'm looking at him on stage, I'm just like, I want to be like my daddy. 
because I called, I actually called him daddy as a joke, but dad a lot of times, but just sometimes I'd call him daddy because he was the first one I ever called dad to actually. And I didn't necessarily want to be a pastor, Christina, but I knew that I wanted to inspire people and shine bright and help other people through what I went through. And my dad had this thing. I don't know if you, as you're listening to this, if you had your parents that they had these little mantras and my dad, my dad had one. He's a very soft-spoken man. It was about every three months he'd get that tone. I'd be like, oh my gosh, here we go. Here we go. And he would say, son, how's it going with forgiving Bob? How, how's it going with your forgiveness? Typical teenager would be, oh, it's going real good, dad. Thanks so much for asking. Really appreciate you asking. Thanks so much. And he would say, Dean, stop goofing around. I mean it. How's it going with forgiving Bob? I don't know, dad. What am I supposed to say? Whatever. And then he would sting me with it, Christina. Now, once I say these words, this tormenting theme my dad had, you will never be able to get out of your head and you will never live the same again. So here you go. My dad would say to me, son, you will never live in the fullness of your God-given potential until you make forgiveness a priority. He would say to me that I wouldn't live in my full potential, my full God-given potential until I made forgiveness a priority. And I, would, I didn't say this to him, but I was thinking, are you freaking kidding me? Do you know what Bob did to my mom? Are you serious? How could you expect me to even forgive him? If, even if it was possible, why would I ever want to do that for him? Why would I ever want to forgive Bob? Why would I ever want to do that for him? And see, what I didn't understand, Christina, was that the forgiveness that my dad was talking about at the time wasn't about something that I was going to be doing for Bob initially. It was going to be about something I was going to be doing for myself. And so I was like, thanks a lot. And I was able to justify and rationalize as fast as you can blink your eyes why the forgiveness wouldn't be possible. And there's no way in the world this my Bob would ever deserve it. And I just feel like there's some of you listening right now who've had that same thought. And again, I want to encourage you. I feel like we're on this line together for a purpose. So I'm going to ask you to keep listening because I believe this next part is specifically for you. You know, I didn't, I was like, screw forgiveness. I'll appease my dad and act like things are going fine. And so I had these really great coping mechanisms, Christina. When bad things happen, you could call it bad things or you could call it sin. When sin, you sin against someone else or someone sins against you or bad things, it causes damage to your soul. If you think about your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, it messes your thoughts up. You're angry, you're depressed, you're sad, whatever it is. And that has a consequence to your life, pain and dysfunction in your life, your relationships, your relationship with yourself because of your peace, your relationship with God, your relationship with others. And then we have this choice. And if we forgive, what it does is it unshackles us from this vicious cycle. It unburdens us and we're able to start, begin to walk in our full potential. But if otherwise we have coping mechanisms, otherwise known as forgiveness substitutes. And when we cope, what it leads back to is more bad things, which more pain and dysfunction and more damage to your soul and more coping mechanisms. And, and it, I didn't believe that kind of stuff at the time. Christina, junior high and high school, I was fine. See, all I did was I compartmentalized all my pain, all my anger, all my resentment, and I put it in a tiny little box and put it in the very back of my mind. And if you don't talk about it, you're doing totally fine. And I had another really great strategy. All you have to do is stay funny and stay busy. 
So whenever anyone would try to get serious in my life, how's it going with, I'd just be like, shh, shh. Like, I ain't talking about that. And that was working great for me. And I, I would ask for those of you listening right now, if you ain't been forgiven, what have you been doing? And get really clear on what your coping mechanisms are. Because it's kind of interesting to think, so my coping mechanisms leads back to other bad things, like how it could sabotage my peace or sabotage my relationships, my relationships with myself, other people, and or God. Interesting. And, you know, junior high and high school, I was doing totally fine. But then I got into college. And then all of a sudden, I needed something a little stronger to deal with that inner turmoil. Because the hot lava on the inside that I didn't even acknowledge was there was burning up. I got really into drugs. I got really into alcohol. In fact, I got married at the age of 20. And this woman thought she married a very nice pastor's kid. And she had no idea that the resentment and the unforgiveness and the bitterness on the inside was bubbling up. And our marriage lasted exactly two years. And I would love to tell you that it was the divorce that led me to make a change. But really, it was I graduate from college and I'm, I start getting into business. And for some reason, there's always this gap between the person I saw myself as and the person I was showing up as. And I was failing once, I was failing again, and I just couldn't seem to be this bright, shining influencer, this bright, shining, like uh, awesome person that I thought I could be. It's like, oh, I know I'm better than this. And it was my dad's tormenting words that came back. Gosh, dang it, that I would never live in the fullness of my God-given potential until I made forgiveness trade. And I tried everything, Christina. I did every personal development seminar. I mean, I tried to apply everything. I just kept scooch, 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 scooching around the one thing that actually has a domino effect of goodness on every other thing. And I just ignored it and I ignored it until I realized there's no way around it. And I remember I was standing in my living room in Spokane, Washington, about 25 years old. And it was half prayer, half declaration. I was angry. There was some cussing. And I said, that does it. Fine. I choose to forgive. But God, I'm going to need your help. And it was this, this huge monologue. But there was a few really important things I said that I, I feel that you can learn from as you're listening and your listeners can learn from Christina right now. The first thing is I made a choice and I voiced my choice. Whether you are more of a Bible person or whether you're more of a neuroscience person, they both agree that your life is most powerfully impacted by the words that you speak and the pictures you make in your mind. Neuroscientifically proven. And so when I realized I didn't even know it at the time when I was doing it. But when I spoke aloud, I choose to forgive. I was opening up a new dimension of possibility in my life. And so that's how it's, and I asked for help. And I began to ask, um, I asked God for help. I asked, I let my dad back into my, my fifth and final dad back into my life and asked him for help. But here's the thing, Christina, after that day of that prayer, this is crazy. I say, you know, in Jesus name, amen. And I'm done. And all of a sudden, at the end of the prayer, I look up and nothing happened. I had this expectation that when you make this decision, I figured that the, the clouds would part and the angels would, hallelujah. And it was one of the most boring moments of my life. And I'm like, it's like, but here's the thing is I know my belief is that God was listening. 
even though nothing was happening. And I went away and I came back the next day and I engaged in a specific process that worked for me. And little, but there's this expectation like, okay. And, and, and there's, a, there's a scripture that says, get rid of all bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, anger, brawling, and slander to, to get rid of it. And if you look at the, the original text, to get rid of means to lift up, to elevate, to raise up as though, as though bitterness is actually something you don't have. It's not part of you. It's just you're choosing to hang on to it. It sucks and it's not easy to get rid of, but you can get rid of it. And it's interesting to realize like, don't tell me you can't forgive somebody in your life because now I've seen the most crazy stories happen, but it is a process of getting rid of it. And each of us may choose to get rid of it in a certain way. But here's the thing. You're getting rid of this deep-seated bitterness and unforgiveness. It doesn't happen in a moment. Most of the time, we're, okay, Dean said we're going to get rid of it. Here we go. One, two, three. Woo-hoo! And in this moment, boom, 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 and everything's great. Usually it's more like, okay, Dean said get rid of it. I'm going to get rid of it. Bloop. And like every day, it might just be one little daily bloop. As we're getting rid of our, a bloop of our bitterness or unforgiveness or anger, I believe that as we get rid of it, God will exchange it for a bloop of his, ah! so we give him this, ah! and he gives us his, ah! and then return for our anger and frustration and discontent that God will give us his grace and his comfort and his peace and his love. And for me, over time, this is exactly what happened in my personal forgiveness process. I got to the place where I could see Bob's face and not want to punch a wall. And then a little while later, as I engage in my own forgiveness process, we can, if we talk about it more specifically later, but I get to the point where I remember coming back and engaging in my personal process and realizing, holy smokes, I don't have any anger on the inside anymore. And I was completely free. Holy Moses. Now, here's the crazy thing for you. Even if, if you're thinking, well, I thought this was like a business podcast. Like, when is he going to get to the business part? Because I really want to grow my business. This is for you right now. See, the thing was, is when my soul was, when I got rid of the bitterness and the unforgiveness and the resentment, I had no idea that there would now be room for more love, more productivity, more focus, more creativity, more grace for myself and others, more peace. You can't put a price on peace. If that's all you got was more peace, it would be worth it. But there's now room for all, more authentic relationships. And I didn't have to pretend or cope anymore. I could be authentic. And all of a sudden, my business life, not in one second, but begin to change. And I was able to show up my authentic. There's like, I was bridging the gap between the person that I wanted to be and the person that I was. And for me, it led to massive success in business. I was in a national sales organization and I, for several years, was the rep of the year, one of the top guys. And I know that being free, freedom through forgiveness was a huge part for me. And that included forgiving myself because I was a total jerk, especially to my first wife. And I had to forgive myself for that as well. In the absence of bitterness, unforgiveness, and resentment, there's a whole world of possibility you can't even possibly imagine. For me, it grew my compassion specifically for Bob, which is kind of crazy. I don't think that reconciliation 
is practical or appropriate for everyone, Christina, you know, with the bobs in their life. I just, I don't think it's, it's not necessary. It's not practical or appropriate or even safe sometimes. But for me, in the absence of bitterness, unforgiveness, or resentment, I realized that I had compassion. Now, Bob, my Bob got out of prison in 1997. And in 2004, it just was on my heart that I should reach out to him. And it wouldn't go away. And it wouldn't go away. And in 2006, I finally reached out to him. I felt that I had a message for him. And it wasn't a message I could have ever conjured up myself. But remember, when you don't have bitterness on the inside, you don't have a clue what could possibly be there. And I reached out to him in 2006 and I told him that I forgave him. And I told him that I knew that he hadn't forgiven himself. And I believe that God still had a purpose for his life as well. And I said, Bob, I know this is going to sound really crazy, but if you would let me, I would love to help you be able to forgive yourself because I believe that there's still a purpose for you on this earth for God's glory. And man, it's weird when I say that, Christina. Still, when I say it, I feel like there's another me looking at me saying, and going, what? And so Bob and I became friends on the phone that day, and we talked about every three weeks or so, and uh, it was a great friendship for about a year until six months went by, and he didn't call me back. And I remember like, oh my gosh, how dare you not call me back after all I've done for you? And I actually had to forgive him again for like not getting back to me until six months later, I get a call from his girlfriend. She lived in Tennessee. They lived in Tennessee. I lived in Seattle, so opposite parts of the country. She says, Dean, I'm going to ask you to pray for Bob because he's just attempted suicide. See, he started focusing on all the things he'd ever done and all the lives in his words he'd ever ruined. And he believed the ultimate lie that he had done so many bad things that life wasn't worth living. The ultimate lie. So the bottom line is I flew down to Tennessee to be with him. Now, Christina, I will tell you that I always thought I would see Bob in person, but I thought it'd be like years down the road. And all of a sudden, because you know, I figured I'd call Oprah she would totally be there. It'd be super awesome. But all of a sudden, I'm flying down there with no notice. And I spent four days with the man who brutally murdered my mother. Little did I know that this trip would be the ultimate moment of truth. And I'll, I'll end with this story. It's the fourth and final day of spending the weekend with Bob and nurturing him and encouraging him and really letting him know it doesn't matter what you've done in life. You can still utilize it to be able to help others. And I'm in a hotel room. I'm at the edge of a bed and he's in a chair. And we think we, I think we've had all of our greatest conversations. And so out of the blue, Bob says, Dean, the incident with your mom happened on a Tuesday, but I want to bring you back to the Friday before. And over the next 10 minutes, Bob begins to tell me every single detail about the day he took my mom's life. He told me about the money issues. He told me about my mom staying out late and dancing with another man. He told me about us kids getting in arguments all the time. He told me about the drugs and the alcohol and the painkillers and the marijuana. He gets to Saturday and Sunday and Monday, and then he gets to Tuesday. Now, imagine this, sitting three feet away from me, looking me directly in the eyes. The man who brutally murdered my mother told me every detail about that day, including how many times he hit her and what her last words were. Now, at the time I'm in my head, over these 10 minutes. And I'm like crying out to God in my head. God, what do I do? God, what do I say? God, what do I think? And I want to tell you about that. Now, for me, it was the small voice on the inside that I knew was not of my own. It wasn't an audible voice like, Luke, I'm your father. But it was a, is this voice that you're like, this to me, this was God for me. And I had a God moment. And I don't think I've 
It's not like everyone's going to have a God moment like this. This is just my experience. And I'm, I'm in my head in these first few minutes and I'm crying out. And I believe God said to me, Dean, I love you because I love you. And Dean, there's nothing you can do to make me love you more. And Dean, there's nothing you can do to make me love you less. I'm with you right now. And I've got your back. And, you know, on the outside, Bob is telling me all these details and it's making me sad. But all of a sudden in this moment, I realized, okay, I got this. And I felt peace and I felt strength. But it's what I believe God told me next that's changed my life forever. And it continued. And he said, and Dean, I love Bob because I love Bob because I love Bob. And there's nothing that Bob can do that can make me love him more. And there's nothing that Bob can do that can make me love him less. I'm also with him and I've also got his back. And all of a sudden I remembered all the little lessons when you're in Sunday school, Jesus loves me, this I know. And it's like, sometimes we're the Bob and sometimes it's somebody else. But the reason that we can forgive other people, you know, the Sunday school answer is, why do you forgive other people? And the Sunday school answer is because God forgives us. And that is fully true, but it's not the full story. The reason that we can forgive other people is because God forgives them too. And in this moment, as sad as the details of what he was saying, I realized that I had never felt more free, never felt more empowered, never felt more bold. Like, oh my gosh, I'm hearing these things and I don't want to kill him. I don't want to punch him. I felt complete. I felt sad, but I felt peace. And I helped him out of his chair and I gave him a hug. And I realized in this moment that any overcoming any sabotaging thought process is possible for anyone. And it's been my passion and it's been my purpose since the day in that hotel room to help as many people discover this freedom through forgiveness like I have. And (laughs) yes, it led to business success, but in so many areas, yes, I met my second and final wife. Uh, We've been together for 20 years. We've got two beautiful kids and now we are first to forgive. We forgive first and we forgive fast. And I believe it's one of the most important, both personal development and spiritual development principles that has a cascading domino effect every other part of your life. You can forgive anyone for everything. And that's all I have to say about that. I could listen to your story every day and learn something from it. I mean, I've been scribbling down because it's fascinating to me how powerful forgiveness is. And you had touched on it as well. And I know that we had a conversation before this, but I feel that a lot of times people only think of forgiveness as forgiving somebody else, but it's just as important for us to forgive ourselves too. You were in a situation where somebody took the greatest thing that you loved the most from you And to be able to, I mean, that's not even a mountain. That is a complete, it's so much more than a mountain to climb. But what I want to know was, when was the moment that you realized that you truly forgave? Was it at a point before you were in that hotel room? Or was it in that hotel room and that was like just sealed the deal? (laughs) funny question because you could imagine like if it wasn't real forgiveness like and you know some people will say i could never do that dean what you did and i'm thinking yes you could 
you couldn't go from where you are now with your Bob directly to that hotel room. For me, there was a personal forgiveness process that involved no other person. It was between me and God. But I had forgiven him before I made the phone call to him, about a, which was about a year and a half before that, ho- that moment of truth. Mm-hmm. So see, the thing is, I had to be ready for him when I called him on the phone for him to tell me to F off. Mm-hmm. Because if my forgiveness depended on another person's response or another person at all, then the whole world, I would be a victim of the whole world's response to me. And that would suck. My personal forgiveness was between me and God, thankfully. And that's where my peace came from and my healing came from. So when I called him, if he would have said, you know, screw you, then, okay, that would have hurt my, you know, it would have hurt, but I would still have been free. Mm-hmm. Thankfully. I'm thankful that that's how forgiveness is set up. So it's, I was thinking as you were telling the story, your forgiveness of Bob, I was hoping that, you know, you forgiving him would help him forgive himself. Cause you know, we just talked about, it's really important for you to forgive yourself. I couldn't imagine taking somebody else's life. I don't know because you were able to overcome that. I'm like, gosh, could I forgive myself if I took somebody else's life like that? So obviously that was a, I couldn't even imagine the struggle in his entire life. Right. And you obviously were on an incredible journey of things don't just happen. You don't just say, oh yeah, I forgive you. Yours was many, many years of challenges and struggles and these, I couldn't imagine that journey. But so When you, I have another question too, is when you were spending time with Bob, you know, in, in that time that he tried to take his own life and when, when you were listening to him and all those details, how hard was it? Or (laughs) maybe it just happened, but did you have those fleeting thoughts of maybe, I don't know, going back on that forgiveness or, you know, for lack of a better word? What was going through your mind at that time? Right. <laughs> I mean, seriously, right? Yeah. Because I'm thinking, I, I'm, yes, I, great question. The time that I got to him, I was healed completely. Now, it doesn't mean I didn't have these really weird moments. So an interesting part of the story is a year after, so in that hotel room, you know, I had forgiven him, but he still hadn't forgiven himself because he just attempted suicide. And I made it my mission in life to help him forgive himself, like to give him the practices, the principles and like make forgiveness a priority. Like screw this wanting to take your life. You don't get it. And so he became like my first client, so to speak of, you know, forgiveness. Right. One year later, picture this, I'm on stage speaking to hundreds of people. And at the end of, and I tell my story. So picture this, you're in the audience and I say, ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce somebody to you on stage right now who I love. And I believe that God loves us as well. Please help me welcome Bob. Bob stands up from the middle of the audience and walks up. Totally trippy. The people sitting next to him are like, what? And he joins me on stage. And it's this moment where I've got my arm around him. And he's, you know, it's pretty emotional. And I've got my arm around him. I'm on stage and people are like crying and are struggling with their, what emotions are we feeling? And I'm, so I'm right next to him and I look over at him just a few inches away, our faces have this surreal moment because I'd never been that close to him. I'm like, besides hugging really quick, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the guy that did the thing that led to, oh my gosh. And I started like in this moment, like you can have a thousand thoughts in like two seconds. 
oh my gosh, like the greatest tragedy and the greatest sadness and the greatest, all the coping mechanisms, the doors. And, and then all of a sudden I snap out of it and I realize, wait a minute, this guy is also a part of my biggest breakthrough, my biggest legacy, my greatest example for my kids, my greatest freedom. And like, I've been a blessed to be in a position to help so many others. And for so many years, picture this, I'm looking at him in this moment for so many years, I did everything I could to just simply look the other way. And it wasn't until I faced my Bob, figuratively speaking, faced him and said, no, I'm not going to try to get around this anymore, that I was able to finally break through and bridge the gap between the person I was and the person I most wanted to be. And here I am literally facing him. and I'm just like tripping out in this surreal moment in front of people who are crying and clapping. Crazy. I was sitting here. If somebody could see the, the video, I'm like, yes, because what I wanted to say which I was going to hold back because I didn't want it to be taken the wrong way. But that Bob of yours, even though he took the most precious thing to you, he took that away from you, but he was the key element of the most incredible journey of your entire life. And the amount of people, the number of people that you have touched since then and you have helped heal themselves, and who have, you know, you help, a, you help a million to help a million to help a million. He was that key element of yours. He was, if he didn't do that horrific thing, you would not be as powerful as you are now, and you're able to empower so many other people. And, I, and I'm not saying that, oh yeah, it's worth it. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying that this was your journey. I mean, God creates our journey, right? And he was part of that path. Ugh, amazing. Amazing to me. So here's my, here's my final question. Where is Bob now? So about four years ago, Bob called me slightly delirious and said, I have liver failure. I think I'm going, I think I'm dying. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I'll come down there. This is serious. And a week later, before I got the plane ticket, I got a call from a nurse. He was sent to hospice. And she said, hey, you're the only person on Bob's list to contact. He's going down fast. If you want any time with him, he's probably going to die soon. So he had several sisters. None of them wanted to go. But I, he was living in Florida. I flew from Seattle to Florida. And I got to spend the last few days of his life with him, which wow. is pretty, pretty special. And I, I got to encourage him. We got to talk about, you know, I said to him, Bob, people are going to ask me a couple things. They're going to ask me if you ever really forgave yourself. So I'm going to ask you, by the way, he was in his right mind when I asked him this. Mm. And I said, what do you want me to tell them? And I was hoping he'd say something really wise. And he didn't. It was pretty mundane. But he said, I'm nowhere near where I was before I made forgiveness a priority. And I can't imagine I could have never imagined having as much peace as I had. I don't know if I'm all the way, but I know my life is completely different. I said, what would you want me to tell people? What do you want them to learn from your journey? And he said, tell them to, to he, sa he said it this way. He said, tell them to do what you keep trying to get them to do, but which is to freaking forgive. Right. <laughs> so, because he realized that he had spent all those years in his what do you want to call it? Your mind prison, your spiritual prison. And his last few years of his life were so much more freer. And he found purpose. His purpose, by the way, 
was to help other people who had done really bad things. That was his purpose. That's why he came up on stage. I never had him on stage again because we didn't want to make it like a circus show where we just one time, but that's it to forgive now. So he's no longer here to answer your question. I am. I'm so glad that I asked that question because him having you as the only one on the contact list tells me that you were just as key in his journey as he was in yours. Wow. Just wow. You know what? I was fortunate enough to see that video of you bringing Bob up. And I don't cry at a whole lot of things, but that one got me in the feels. That, and if you would allow me to, I would like to share that link somehow attached to this podcast because I feel that that was a really powerful moment, you bringing him up, because that made my jaw drop. I was like, what? That was, I I just, I feel that it's a, it's such a powerful video. And honestly, I'm really glad that you guys, that that is the only time that you did that because it makes it that much more powerful. You know, I cannot thank you enough for sharing that story and, and doing what you do for people. And I remember you saying that you are beginning a course on forgiveness. So if you would like to drop that in here, I think there's a lot of people that would benefit from that. I'm going to be doing for for this next season of my life. I'm just going to have some live interactive masterclasses where not only can I teach people because some people have forgiveness. Yeah, I know I should forgive. I know it's biblical or I know it's good for me, but it's like learning about swimming on the side of the pool. And I want to create an experience where I can teach and then I can help people engage and jump in the pool, so to speak, of forgiveness and over a six week time, help them create some structure around forgiveness so it becomes a lifestyle get some encouragement some accountability because it's going to be in a group environment not that anyone has to talk or has to interact but it's there there'll be a members only facebook page for the encouragement and accountability just learning some new tools to how to start it and how to stick with it so that you can live actually in the freedom of forgiveness changes everything but most people struggle with actually doing it and i I've worked with thousands of people over the last 10 years. I know what it takes. Mm-hmm. I've seen enough people be able to implement it in their own life, and I want to help people do that. So we'll drop a little link in this that I can give to you to, for that opportunity. Okay, perfect. I think it's just such a huge thing for so many people. So I would absolutely love to anybody who needs it. And if you do look up Dean on social media, He is Dean Eric Smith. Booyah. Yes, absolutely. And I am so blessed to have you as one of my friends because and sharing in the the whole journey of growth and having you part of it. I love it. I love it. Thank you for having me, Christina. I appreciate you very much. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much, Dean. And I am going to, for everybody who is listening, if you want to know more about Dean and uh, his courses and anything about Dean, you message me and we're going to get you hooked up. Thank you again for listening today and we will be talking to you soon. Go get unleashed. 
Thank you for joining me today on the Unleashed Podcast. My hope is that you leave this podcast feeling inspired, fired up, and ready to take the next step to living your dream life. And if you could do me a quick favor, please leave me a five-star review over on iTunes. I love reading the reviews, and each week I'll choose one special person to win some Unleashed Sway. Make sure you add your name to the review, and I'll reach out to you if you're the winner. Thanks again for spending your time with me today. Be sure to visit me at ChristinaUnleashed.com for past episodes and more gifts to help you unleash the most successful version of you.